When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. I'm Charlotte Dunker because Rich Faye is away today and I am joined by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello. And Tyrone Marshall. Hello. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Uh, excellent, thank you for asking. It's rare, isn't it? It's a seamless transition. Me, I've moved one seat to the left, not that any of you will care, but it's a whole different role for me today. So let's start off by talking about Leicester. Both of you were there. How did you find the game? Um, Don't yeah. all answer at once, we, come on guys. <laughs> um, we kind of said to each other after about 15 minutes that this is a really open game and you know a really enjoyable game to watch. And then for the next sort of 75 minutes, it, it wasn't so open at all. It just kind of you know died a death a little bit at that point in, in terms of attacking intent. Um, United were fairly comfortable. Leicester had a lot of pressure as, as the game wore on, but... United defended solidly, which I think was a key point and probably deserved the win in the end. But yeah, at early stages, you thought this could be a very open game, a lot of goals. And if you'd have said after 10, 15 minutes it was going to end 1-0, then you'd have been surprised. Why do you think it lacked the attacking intensity that we've seen in the other games? I think the, the telling quote was one that hasn't been picked up on that much. Lindelof spoke to uh, TV2 afterwards and he said that, that the game plan was about United letting Leicester have the ball and that they would do them on the, the counter-attack, which I think as, as Rich actually found with the definition, Opta's definition of it anyway, that the goal does count as a counter-attack because it's a fast fast break so they they obviously for, for all Solskjaer's emphasis on it's about what we can do to the opposition he's clearly doing his homework on uh, the opposition as well in terms of how best to, to um to set up against them and with Leicester they have had a problem uh, certainly in recent weeks of conceding early goals United capitalise on that I think everyone might might have felt at that time that United were always going to need a second uh, because Leicester did look quite lively but Puel made the rather peculiar um, change with with Madison coming off, which really didn't go down well with with Leicester fans. Uh, some of them were like, genuinely abusing him, verbally abusing him uh, when when that decision was made. But it said it all that the United fans man the match was was De Gea. Uh, I think yeah. that's yeah. I think that's is it three games now out of Solskjaer's ten where they've. They voted for the goalkeepers man the match because Romero got it in that memorable uh, FA Cup tie against Reading. So, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't quite understand why United were as lethargic as they were in the second half. But this trend of them tiring in the last half hour of games is is an on-running theme. Um, they they were ready for the Arsenal game certainly physically, but it's it's Arsenal. I, th- I genuinely think Leicester away is more of a test for them these days and. As, as Oscar said, coming away from it, there were, there were a lot of things um, that were dubious about the way United played, but it's another win. They roll on and it's a clean sheet. Yeah, just touching on that, like you said, that it was a clean sheet and it was by and Lindelof who started as a centre-back pairing. Marine, both Mourinho's buys, he didn't like to play them together. Do you think this is United centre-back pairing to get them through the rest of the season? 
I think it should be. Yeah. I think that Solskjaer was given the excuse to to retain them after after the Arsenal game. Then Bay wasn't in the squad for Burnley. It was never cleared up whether that was enforced or not. Uh, but Jones came back in. Jones and Lindelof, neither of them really covered themselves in glory in that Burnley game. But Jones did seem to be the more jittery of the two. And Lindelof, I mean, it's, it's hell of a, an about turn for him. I think when Bailly was there and Lindelof came to the club, you thought, OK, United needs a centre-half to play alongside Bailly. Now looking ahead to the summer, you're thinking, who do they sign to partner Lindelof? Um, his, his transformation has been that impressive. And as we've said before, he was playing really well before the managerial change. Uh, Bailly can be very haphazard at times he had such a good start to his United career that it always feels like a bit of an anomaly that purple patch because normally newly signed United centre-halves do not perform that's a trend that's gone all the way back to Gary Pallister when he was uh, a club record signing in 1989 in his sixth game he plays in the 5-1 I was, <laughs> was about 18 months but I've in, in, in nappies remembering taking it Gary Pallister's date yeah I, I, I have I've no recollection of, of the 5-1 <laughs> defeat or, the, or that winter of discontent but um, that that's just you know I think apart from Lindelof and Henning Berg had a pretty good start but he was an internal signing from Blackburn uh, centre-halves don't usually start well at United but by buck that trend and since that purple patch and he ended that first season quite well he, he's it's been injury or it's been a stupid challenge and a red card or, or the Brighton debacle in August uh, I mean it is it is interesting I mean, that the relevant status at Solskjaer has played them as a partnership more more often than Mourinho has already and they might have played together more had Bailly not been uh, sent off against Bournemouth and, and suspended for the three games it's, I mean, Jones is in an interesting situation that he's, he's still not had his contract extension uh, triggered I think he will do because they're not going to just let him go on a on a free in the summer uh, I think they could get you know if, if they did decide to sell him they would get a decent decent fee for him uh, but in terms of with, with that partnership there I think if, if Solskjaer can come in say just from a p- purely selfish perspective for his sake say look I've made this partnership work it's another reason to make him the next uh, permanent manager yeah and out of the two of them Bailly's been good but Lindelof's been the one that's impressed so mm. you'd argue that it's just the one position at centre-back that's up for grabs Chris Smalling is reportedly going to be in contention for the game at the weekend he was arguably has been one of United's most solid defenders mm. going back through the season before he picked up his foot injury would do you think he should come back in for the weekend or would you stick with what's what proven in the last game to be a good duo I think for now you stick with that partnership they defended well on Sunday and you know it was noticeable how much commitment there was in the defending there was you know there was a lot of bodies on the line defending and real sort of hard work and, and physical defending as well at the moment it is a question of who starts alongside Lindelof you'd say there's probably not a great deal between Bailly Jones and Smalling um, at some point Smalling is going to get a chance between now and the end of the season um, not a huge amount the interesting thing is you know, if they get this world-class centre-half that they want in the summer, then one of those at some point is going to have to make way. You don't want to carry five senior centre-halves. No. You wouldn't have thought. So one of them is going to have to go. Um, not a huge amount, but, you know, the man in possession... And then you've completely forgotten Rojo there, which I think says it... Just, oh, just says it all about Rojo's his situation. Training. Have, yes. yeah. Yeah. Injury boost ahead of the game, everyone. <laughs> I noticed you didn't ask if he should start. Um, no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> glossed over that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bailly's the man in possession at the moment. Having kept a clean sheet, you'd think him and Lindelof deserve the chance to, 
you know, to keep their partnership going, really. Well, talking about the partnership going forward, Samuel, you wrote a story today about United are monitoring a few players ahead of the summer transfer window. If you could enlighten the readers as to who they were and then say who you think would be best suited to play alongside Victor. Yeah, the the three centre-halves they are looking at, uh, and it isn't just necessarily just on those three, but it's it's Koulibaly, it's Skriniar and uh, Joachim Anderson, who would be the outside bet because he's only 22 years of age and he's been at Sampdoria for about 18 months. But they have been looking at the at the Serie A market for for quite some time now. Uh, Skriniar, Mourinho wants in the summer, Inter um, said to United that, okay, for £76 million. So United took a big step back and looked at um, alternatives they they knew that Koulibaly was just unattainable uh, they didn't really even bother I, I doubt they even actually touched base with Napoli about him but obviously I think it was, it was Capello who said after the coaches convention he kind of let the cat out of the bag saying that Mourinho had told him that Skriniar and Koulibaly were the ones he really liked uh, with, with Joachim Anderson he's the one that not many people know an awful lot about I mean I don't know too much about him I've never seen him play personally I think because he's 22 they, they have looked at younger um, younger possibilities to come in there but they are going to need someone who is established and is senior the, I mean the telling quote that United gave us back in August was that they're prepared to spend £100 million on a centre-back who fits a certain profile of player for them um, Rafael Varane was cited as the example they were at pains to stress it wasn't Rafael Varane who they particularly coveted but you can imagine who wouldn't want Varane in their team uh, Koulibaly I think could easily fetch that fee um, Napoli got 75 million for Higuain a few years ago off, off Juventus so uh, he's on a contract until 2023 as well so it's just going off talent duration left on his contract his age I think he's 27 turns 28 this year he would cost an awful lot of money I think if they want a real top draw option they are going to have to look at you know um Gazump in the the world record fee Liverpool played yeah, paid for a defender in the in the post Virgil van Dijk world isn't it just too much of a cop out for United to turn around and say oh, we're not prepared to pay that. And you've seen how important he's been for Liverpool this season. He's really been worth every penny they've paid. If United want this world-class centre-back, aren't they just going to have to be like, never mind the budget? Because they're going to put the price up when they know it's United who want him anyway. Absolutely. And just blow, um, blow the budget. And, and all these teams know that United are desperate for a centre-back because they tried and failed with about four players in the summer. Uh I mean, you look at someone like Alderweireld who's going to be available for £25 million, even though he, he'll he be 30 in, in June. Um, I think he turns 30 next month, but you said he'll be 30 in the summer window. He's still a player of, of that calibre that you think United should consider. The caveat there is that United have said that they want to look at a long-term approach. And the gist we got from them in August was that Alderweireld was too short-term for them. Uh, either way, uh, looking at these these players they're looking at, the irony is that Mourinho wanted these players and in Anderson's case, I think that came from a tip-off of uh, Stefano Rapetti, who was the fitness coach who Mourinho brought over. So um, you can imagine him... Because the fees are going to go down, are they? They, they, no. still, they still want these players that Mourinho, you've decided Mourinho wanted them last summer, that the transfer fees aren't going to go down for it's, them. It's calmed down a little bit and January was so, so, so quiet. None of the top six sides did any immediate 
business. I know Pulisic is coming in the summer, but they are still going to have to pay an awful lot of money. They're, they're going to have to pay, unless they they want Toby Alderweireld, and there is a compelling argument to say you can save £50 million if you get a Premier, one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Um, Short-term in, solution. Yeah, yeah but I'd, I'd still argue that in this day and age with sports science, the athleticism of footballers, someone like Alderweireld, if he comes in for even three or four years and you get a title out of that time, for £25 million, that's completely worth it. But it is mainly the Serie A defenders they're looking at now. And I do wonder, you know, with Koulibaly, any manager would say, mm. I want him. Um, it's a little bit different with Skriniar. I think that feels a bit more of a, not a niche signing such, but a more manager-specific one. Uh, so I think there's going to be this, like, shadow of Mourinho looming over whoever the defender uh, they sign comes in. But they could just go for a complete... I still wouldn't be surprised they go for a left field choice like they did with Bai um, a, what, nearly three years ago now. Koulibaly feels like the banker in yeah. all of those. The one that is most, as much as any signing can be, the most nailed on to impress. Like you mentioned Van Dijk. The thing with Van Dijk is he's brought a new dimension to Liverpool's defence and he's made players around him better. You can see Koulibaly having that sort of impact. You know, you bring Koulibaly in, you think he'd complement Lindelof quite well in that, you know, Koulibaly's a very aggressive centre-half, whereas Lindelof, perhaps, that's not such a strong area of his game. You know, they complement each other well. You could see that being a United centre-half partnership for five, six, seven years. And if it costs £100 million, but you get a centre-half partnership together for six, seven years... Well, they've not had that years, for however long. Now long you're time. going to go back yeah. to Vidic and Ferdinand, yeah. really, haven't you? £100 million spread over that. A partnership that doesn't need any more... You know, you don't need to invest in that area for such a long time you know it's not necessarily then just a hundred million pounds splashed out then it's you know it, it covers such a long period that it becomes almost value if a hundred so million can be value so their first choice centre back pairing for the next seven years who you turfing out well Rojo well yeah <laughs> half of us think he's already gone but they yeah there is a dilemma a lot of United fans would say it's not a dilemma but what they do with with Jones because if you want to play three at the back it makes sense to have five centre half so mm. new centre half Lindelof by Smalling Jones on the other hand you think why should they still be countenancing you know Jones and Smalling in the same squad I, I mean even it wouldn't surprise me if somehow out of the blue they get a good offer for Smalling they say on your way I think the Fellaini I know it was quite unique in that it was it was a Chinese club that came in, but we've seen it so many times. A player signs a contract six months later, even less less time than that, um, they're gone for for a big fee. So I'd still say that there's a there's a slight chance that you know the slightest of slight chances that Smalling isn't completely secure of being there next season. But you would be you'd be daft to bet but against him not being a United player. And they need a squad, don't they? It's not the case of yeah. having just a centre-back partnership that you rely on. There's mm. a lot of games you, you need you want to play three at the back yeah. sometimes. And you yeah. to be able to rotate. And they are experienced players. Okay, Jones is partial to a big mistake every now and again. But you know what you're getting with them. And then do you think it would be a risk if they just called them all and got rid of them well, this summer? Yeah, I mean, you want four as a bare minimum. You know, if you're considering playing three at the back, five... A lot, like, a lot of it depend on interest in players. They might not look to actively sell one, but suddenly a club comes in with a good offer for Smalling or for Jones, then 
you know, maybe you think it's a deal worth doing if they're both happy to stay and play the odd cup game and, you know, just sort of strength in depth, then keep them. You, you do need you, you do need a squad. If United want to compete on four fronts next season and be in the Champions League, hopefully, and in a title race deep into the season, then they're going to need four very good centre-halves, at least, if not five. So, you know, there's perhaps no desire to sell them, but again, it's one of those where if, if they get a good offer for one of those players, you can see them thinking it might be a worthwhile deal to do. None of the lone players coming back to impress you. It's hard to see at the moment. It's, it's even like someone like Tunzibi, who I think is, is, is probably should have had more chances than, than he's had at United. He's he's had injury problems at both loan spells at Villa, and you think if you've not if you're not really not not cut the mustard such at Villa, but you've not really kicked on to a level where you're giving the the United manager a dilemma a little bit like you know, Tom Cleverley going back years he made that gradual progression to the point where they thought okay it's worth nurturing him into the first team squad now uh, Tunzibi's not at that level I mean if he were to come back next year um, sorry if he were to come back in the summer you'd probably say okay go out on loan again or mm. do what Rashawn Williams has done and, and, and leave permanently and as for Fosu Mensah I mean he it's, it's, he's doing well just to get game time at Fulham again after his manager said he could go back. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've reached the half-time point of our podcast, which regular listeners will know. That means a quiz question. Samuel did get the quiz question wrong last time, which is probably the first time in his life that's ever happened. So we'll see if he can get this one. So the question is, who made his club debut in the 2013 Community Shield and even I got this one right. There's no evidence that I did, but I did. There were two. Is this is this United debuts yes. or uh, Yanazai and Wolf Zaha? Is that what you were going to say? I just, on tip of my tongue, both of them. Unbelievable. <laughs> Didn't even get a chance. <laughs> oh, well, at least Samuel's back to winning ways in the quiz. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, should, I, I, I covered that game, so I should have been at least, you know, should have remembered that one. Few years ago, that now. Yeah, yeah, I know. David David Moyes' first game. All the memories, sweet Moyes memories. <laughs> <laughs> Parking David Moyes to one side for the moment. United are about to start on what's probably a very testing run. Obviously, they've got Fulham away on Saturday, which we'll touch on just before the end of the podcast. But PSG's looming. Chelsea, Liverpool, PSG again, they're all coming thick and fast. Do you think United are well equipped to run, go into this testing run? Have you seen enough from them to be confident that they can get through it? I, I think the first 11 at the moment, I'm going to get too many injuries, is well equipped to deal with the run. Um, the issue would be is if they do pick how many knocks, because the difference between the first 11 and those on the fringes at the moment is a, a fairly big gap. But, you know, it, there's. That PSG game now, compared to when the draw was made, when the draw was made, there was a lot of... Um... Sorry, there's a sound coming out. It sounds like some monster is trying to uh, come in through the ceiling of this room we're recording in. So if it suddenly cuts off, then it's been nice knowing you all. Sorry, continue, yes, Terry. Um, I think the difference in anticipation, shall we say, to that PSG game compared to when the draw was made is, is huge. And the longer... You know, the longer the build-up has gone on, the more the pendulum has swung towards United in terms of that tie. PSG have got a lot of issues of their own to deal with. Neymar's out injured, midfield problems. They only signed one midfielder in January. Tuchel wanted at least two. 
Um, Verratti's a doubt. Verratti's a doubt. He won't play Rabiot because he won't sign a new contract, which seems fairly self-defeating. Um, I think they've been playing Danny Alves in midfield uh, in some games recently. He's 35, I think. You know, I can't imagine he's an ideal central midfield option for a Champions League game. So, you know, the pendulum has swung towards United in that tie, and you'd think now there's a real chance that United could get something out of it. And you know, all of those games you look at now, even the, the home games against Liverpool, the home game against City, you look at that and you think, it'd be no surprise if United won them. You know, they've got a good chance in in all of those games. The concern is that if they lose any key players through injury, the, the issue is the lack of depth in that squad and you know the lack of people. Solskjaer wants, you know, he's not having many sleepless nights over this team selection. He'd probably prefer a few more sleepless nights and a few more people. Given him, the game, yeah. yeah, giving him some real difficult headaches to make, but at the moment I don't think he's particularly got any headaches. But confidence must be high in the dressing room, Samuel, because of the way they've been playing. And as Solskjaer has shown that they, they, he's ground out results in different ways. He's ground out one nil results. They've gone out there, they've attacked well, and they've put in impressive attacking performances. Do you think that's going to help them as well? That he's shown that they can play in lots of different ways. And do you think the confidence will be high that they can go and beat all these teams? He's added a few strings to his bow. The the fact that they wanted to they wanted Leicester to have the ball. Uh, in Sunday's game shows how uh, perceptive he is of the opposition's weaknesses with PSG it, it, the stars are aligning so so um, in, invitingly for him you kind of wonder if there's going to be you know some, some, some blowback there whether PSG or suddenly are going to show everyone why they are such a, um, a brilliant side and uh, Di Maria is going to perform in Manchester for the first time in goodness knows how long uh, so many subplots Exactly, exactly. Uh, but watch, I mean, watching PSG against Lyon, there was there was so much encouragement for Solskjaer. They were held for ninety minutes by a third tier team in in the week in in the French Cup as well. I know they won three 0 after extra time. It was in the end, but you know the the use of Marquinhos in that Lyon game was was just really peculiar. Um, it's it's amazing to think that it was barely two months ago. In a mid, in an area where McTominay and Fellaini were getting a look in, United probably have the edge there. Uh, I know it's it's dangerous to underestimate PSG, but if Verratti's injured, Rabiot's not going to play. Um, and if they are genuinely serious about about playing Marquinhos as a midfield, I think that's a grave error on on Tuchel's part because Thiago Silva just looks very cumbersome. He's a lot slower now, uh, which isn't a surprise. He's he's thirty four. There are a lot of miles on the clock. But United have got. I think if if say Mourinho was still in charge, I think Thiago Silva would probably get through these games uh, in, in a breeze because United just weren't uh, fluid enough under Mourinho. It's completely changed now. And looking ahead, as, as Ty said, the, the problem United have is that although Lukaku's had a couple of impact subs through goals, when they're hanging on in games, he's. I think it's twice now, in fact, where they've been. He's come on with them one nil up, and the f- the fans have had a go at him because he's not he's he's not fought for a chasing uh, for a lost cause. Sorry. What was the reaction? Because he came on as a sub on Sunday, didn't he? Yeah. Was that a, was there a similar reaction? Yeah, there? yeah. In the it was a lost cause, but he just stopped chasing it, and then United fans got on his back, and he did something in literally the same area of the pitch at Wembley against Tottenham. Uh, so. 
you wouldn't even bring him back into the team against Fulham at the moment. I think Solskjaer, he's not quite mastered rotation yet, as we saw against Burnley, he made too many changes and too many of them cost him, particularly the one with Pereira. But at least he was ruthless at the weekend in that Pereira was left at home. Uh, he's reacted the way millennial footballers seem to react to these disappointments these days by just going on a social media offensive, which is, is quite tedious. Uh, so... The, the concern would be that in reserve, they've not got enough dependable players, even the starrier names. They don't strike you as being dependable enough. The, the interesting stat that a friend sent me this week was that of the United players who've completed, I know it's a stat and I hate stats normally, but of the United players who've completed, oh, who've completed <laughs> over 250 passes, think this is league and Champions League combined, um, only two clock in at under 75% and they are Sanchez and Lukaku, which isn't which shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. And when you're in these tight knockout scenarios, I know you need a bit of unpredictability, but there needs to be uh, an element of of prudence there. And I think Pogba has shown that recently, particularly away at Arsenal. He, there was nothing ostentatious about his his play, but he was still arguably United's best player. And they need that kind of game management. And I don't really think they've got it in reserve. I mean, if if one of those three midfielders get injured, you can't even... It's not like one comes in, one comes out and you feel secure about it because Pereira has been overwhelmed by Brighton and Burnley this season. McTominay's back in the reserves. When was the last time Fred played? Was it Reading in the FA Cup? I mean, that's... And he wasn't very good then. No, he was awful. And it speaks... That speaks volumes of his situation. And I know there's the mitigation that his wife has just given birth and that can be quite taxing but at the same time it is a worry when Pereira is getting into the team ahead of him because it's not just injuries that are a concern with so many big games coming up you'd like to be able to have a squad to rotate and like Mm. you said fatigue do you think that's going to be the big difference between United getting through these next few weeks winning all the games or do you think that's where they're going to drop the points that fatigue is going to be play a big part in it possibly the good thing is between PSG and Chelsea, there are six days. Yeah. Between Chelsea and Liverpool, there are six days. Unless they obviously have a bad result against PSG or Chelsea. Say they win, were to win the PSG game, you would not not expect, because I think he'd probably put Romero in as the cup goalkeeper, but otherwise you would advise that he keeps the exact same outfield um the outfield 10 and then depending on how they play against Chelsea if they do alright you would hope that he would play the the 11 that starts against Leicester against Liverpool because I think that's their best team at the moment I know Diogo Dallo's got an awful lot of admirers out there but with we have this fickle thinking United fans all football fans have this fickle thinking if there's an exotic choice over an English choice of course you should always play the exotic choice but the fact of the matter is that Ashley Young's still their best right back I know he has the odd wobble at times but I didn't think he was terrible at Leicester but he's an he's an easy player to scapegoat uh, come the weekend at Fulham I think that he should probably rest young because he's a player that you want to be leading them against PSG and maybe Dallo can come in there. I think Matic is another one who's been playing well recently, but at Leicester there were signs that he was starting to let up. And again, he's another that you would possibly say, take him out of the team against Fulham. They should be able to get away with two or three changes against Fulham and still beat them. And do you think uh, United should be confident going into Saturday's game, another win for Solskjaer? Yeah, you, you've got to be confident against... Fulham at the moment, um, they seem very vulnerable, especially to an attack as quick as United's. Um, 
you know, they've been a very strange team this year. I think when they came up, I think Rogers was quite excited at seeing how they get on. They spent a lot of money, they signed some good players, but just not worked under the previous manager or Ranieri. And they do look, they look defensively very, very brittle. So, you know, you've got to fancy your chances of, of going there and causing them a lot of problems. So, yeah, I think United should be very confident of getting a result. There's also um, the psychological advantage in the battle for top four because um, mm. Chelsea play City on Sunday. So United obviously early kickoff on Saturday. They can finally, after what feels like the whole of eternity, mm. push back into those top four positions. Do you think that that's going to give them an added impetus to go out there and win? Do you think it would affect Chelsea on Sunday? I mean, if they go into the top four, I'm sure it will affect Chelsea. Um, it was quite interesting that Leicester took it on to Herrera and he said uh, he said again that he's not looking at the table at the moment in terms of top four and not really paying it any attention. And then a short while later, mentioned the game next week and I was focused on Fulham at the moment and mentioned that Chelsea played City that weekend, which at that point was seven days away, which, you know, I mean, some footballers have obviously got a lot for the game and know what each team's playing. But you wouldn't think that a lot of players would know the fixture list for the next seven days and who's playing what. So it suggests that, you know, they know that that's a big game for Chelsea and that they've got a chance here to, you know, to get into the top four and kind of make that spot their own. So if United get a win and, and Chelsea don't this weekend, it, it, you know, it could turn out to be a very big weekend to come the end of the season. What are you feeling, Sam? You're confident that United could go and put in a good performance on Saturday afternoon? Yes, although the last time I very confidently predicted they'd win, they drew with Burnley. Uh, so we all make this. Yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, saw Fulham against Spurs last month, where they got beat right to death by the by Winks's goal, and I mean that that it was it was difficult to judge them that day because it seemed like Tottenham were having a hangover from losing against United and. Uh, not having Harry Kane, so they they were a little bit vulnerable that day. But they're just so they're so poor as Fulham. I was amazed just how awful they were against United Old Trafford in December. This was a period where there was so much uh, rancor simmering at United with oh, Mourinho. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think. Young came off and speaking to guys in the mix zone said that he was disappointed they hadn't scored more goals which I thought he was quite entitled to be because it was 3-0 at half time and they didn't really quite kick on as much as they should have uh, it's beyond the actual game it's it's just a, a great day a great away day possibly the best away day for, for United fans as well I know it's been quite a while since they last got to go to Craven Cottage but it's one of it's one of the best grounds in in the country and the, the the Putney end genuinely shakes if you're having a good time there as well. Uh, making my first end. trip on Saturday. Yes, yeah. For the for the not, wooden not, benches. Yeah, not in the away end. I would like to point out. <laughs> yeah. In the press box. Yeah, yeah. You've you've got. Uh, hopefully, they won't put you in the overflow, wooden which is benches. where the wooden benches are. Yeah. Are there cushions. No. Take your own. And there's there's, there's no no there's not a PowerPoint for everyone Wi-Fi? either. Yes, yeah, they have modernised it this enough. Could be disastrous. Couldn't <laughs> no, it? no hugs, no. no Wi-Fi. Is there cups of tea? That's all I need to get back. Yes, yes, I think you should be fine. And yeah. you've been there, Ty? I have. Yes, it's a very nice, um, a very nice traditional ground in in an era when so many grounds are you know out of town, retail park, modernised, soulless yeah. stadiums. You know, that's got so much character to it. The cottage outside, the way it looks from the outside, just the general feel of it. You know, it's a really sort of atmospheric place to to watch football. So it is, um, 
yeah it's a nice ground make sure you do the the walk the walk walk to the ground is very nice as well from putney bridge area. Putney, putney bridge station yeah all oh, right else. i'll probably get lost but someone will find me <laughs> make sure i'm going in the right direction i'm absolutely sure well that's probably enough of our reminiscing about our favorite away grounds so we'll leave it there and we will be back next week hopefully after another united win and to discuss the visit of psg next week Thank you both for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you. Who knows when I'll be back again and watch seat I'll be sat in. Um, but thanks for listening and you can sign up as usual on the usual platforms on Acast and iTunes.